Hey, what is up, everybody? And welcome to the Get Your Bell Rung Football Podcast. He is Kevin Reynolds. I am Bobby Wall, and we are here to talk all things football and hit you with some takes that might just rattle you up a bit. Uh, on tonight's show, we have a few very special guests who will be joining us uh, on the front end here to share an absolutely incredible story regarding the Super Bowl and just some serious perseverance on their part and uh, a whole lot of luck. And they are the Brothers Brant. We have Rick. We have Rob. They have their own sports podcast, so make sure you uh, check them out as well. But fellas, Rick and Rob, what's going on? Bobby, Kevin, thanks for having us, fellas. What's up, guys? Excited to be here. Yeah, so I met Rob. Actually, tonight's the first uh, time I'm talking to Rick, but I met Rob on one of the saddest days of my life, which was Super Bowl Sunday. We were in Philly at a casino. Uh, My girlfriend was playing blackjack next to uh, another beautiful young lady. And it just happened to be Rob's yeah, wife. That's my wife you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm giving you props, buddy. I'm just kidding. And um, so I was just standing watching because I had already blown through my money. And his wife apparently thought I was sad and, and lonely. So he was having a good time doing something else. But she called him over to come over just to hang out with me. Uh, but the charity case paid off because I'm glad I met him. And he has one heck of a story. Yeah, uh, well, that was a that was a sad night for for us Philadelphians, Bobby. But you know, something great came out of it. We're on the get your get your bell rung podcast. Fired up. All right, so I'm not sure whose idea it was to go to Media Day, Super Bowl. Which one was it, fellas? Rick, why don't you why don't you kick off the set the tone for the story here? You do a great job, and I'm going to jump in. It'd and just so our listeners know, real real quick, Rick, just so our, our listeners know, Kevin has no idea about this story either. I'm the only one who knows. I didn't want to spoil it for him because I want his his gut reaction right from the get-go. And you know what's great about that is I can actually see Kevin right now, and he's sitting down, so we don't have to worry about anything. He's not driving. This is perfect. We were at Super Bowl Forty Nine, fellas. Super Bowl Forty Nine. if you can recall, it was uh, actually the last Super Bowl played in Arizona – uh, prior to uh, this past year's Super Bowl between the Eagles and Chiefs. And it happened to be the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the NFL did a ranking of Super Bowls at the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl, which was a few years ago. And they ranked this Super Bowl as the second greatest Super Bowl of all time. It was the famous interception on the one-yard line with uh, Russell Wilson throwing the pick that sealed the deal for the Patriots. And so if you've ever been to a Super Bowl, and I'm sure many of your guys' listeners have been to Super Bowls, you know that it is a week-long celebration. You do not want to fly in on a Friday afternoon and participate in fanfare Saturday and go to the game Sunday. You're not doing it right. You want to fly out at the beginning of the week and participate in everything going on. And Scottsdale, Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona, that's the place to go the next time it's there because there's so much going on, the waste management, Phoenix Open, you name it. And so we flew out there, gentlemen. Uh, It was the uh, Monday before the Super Bowl, so almost a week in advance. And Tuesday at the time was the media day. And for your listeners out there, the media day would take place in the Phoenix Suns basketball arena. And they basically, on the floor where the court would be, they'd set up booths for all the different players to be out there and get interviewed for a few hours. And then they'd bring the other team on. And um, it's basically like a six or seven hour day where the reporters who are actually employed by Fox and CBS and all these other networks come and they interview the players and there's random questions and there's fun questions, but there's also a lot of good meat um, and storylines that are created from media day. So that's setting the tone for where we were uh, years ago. Now, what we did was a little bit different than what a lot of people do. So media day, the NFL, they sell tickets for like $20 and you can sit in the seats and they give you a little headpiece set and you can change the channel on it and listen to all the different interviews. Rick, Rick, just to jump in here, they no longer do that. 
Um, it was just back then that they did that. So they kind of stopped letting the public in now. So because some of these listeners might be like, I don't know how to get tickets for that. So it's just media now. But we probably ruined, ruined it. it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so what um, what we did was we got in uh, these tickets and we thought, you know, let's dress up as reporters and, you know, class it up a little bit. Let's put a suit on. Let's order some lapel pins with the team's logos and some uh, ties. Maybe, a, maybe a lanyard, uh, a couple ties, whatever, you know, just trying to be professional here. And at the time, I happened to have a microphone, guys, a microphone. And this microphone, like we've all seen where it's got like the logo of the network on it. Um, I printed out the uh, logo for the NFL Super Bowl that year and basically glued it onto all four sides. <laughs> And then I took the uh, cord of this microphone and I put it in my pocket. I didn't plug it into anything, but I put the cord into my pocket. And and Rob, Rob had a notebook with a, I, pen. I a little legal pad, like a little tiny legal pad with a pen. <laughs> and you wouldn't believe it. This was the darndest thing. We show up to the arena and uh, I believe the gates opened up at 9 a.m. So we arrived roughly around 8 a.m. And there were th- like thousands, no joke, thousands of Seahawks, Patriots fans, um, just place was buzzy, but they all had jerseys on. They had face painting and their hair was different colors and they were fans. So we stood out like uh, reporters and a security guard who was much larger than us, maybe the size of Kevin from what I can see, uh, a lot stronger in stature and quite intimidating, frankly. He didn't have the luscious beard that you have, Kev. Thank but you. <laughs> That's a beauty. He Thank he you. approached us. We did, We were in line. We were just going to go in as regular fans. And Kevin, you're going to start to shit your pants at this point here. And uh, I apologize. Hey, hey, Yell Brent, at him, Bobby. Hey. Yell at him. What's going on here, buddy? I apologize. We discussed the family the broadcast. broadcast. I yeah. like that. I like that attitude. Well done. All right. And so the this massive bodyguard comes up to us and he kind of like puts his arm kind of around us. He goes, gentlemen, this this is this is where the public enters. Let me you guys got to go around the other side of the stadium. Let me show the media entrances on the other side. Come with me. So this man escorts us to the other side of the arena where it looks like a TSA uh, checkpoint at an airport with the metal detectors, the bomb sniffing dogs. And at this point, Rob starts to, as I alluded to what Kevin was going to be doing shortly, Rob starts to get a little nervous here. And uh, I said, Rob, play it cool, play it cool. And we walk through the security. You take everything out and the microphone. This guy, this old gentleman says to me, "Uh, sir, would you like your microphone calibrated? And guys, I don't even know what that means, to be honest. (laughs) I don't know what it means. But I said, no, sir. I, it hooks up to my phone. The technology these days, fantastic. And so we go through the security checkpoint. And as we're going through, that's pretty much essentially the security that they had set up for people. And as they're coming in, there's like these escorts that are saying, welcome, welcome. Come on in. Come on in. You guys can make your way down here if you want. Um, there's some refreshments over here. And um, if you need to, you, there's two ways to get down onto the floor level. You can walk down the steps as if you had first row seats and take the steps down out onto the floor. Can I stop you real quick? Go ahead. Absolutely. So you're saying no credentials, no anything, no ID, just the simple fact that you put on a blazer and a pretend microphone was enough to get you into Super Bowl media. Hold on. I want want Kevin, and if you put this up on YouTube for your listeners to see, I'm not going to show. I got all the pictures queued up on my phone because I know – you're going to want to see them. And let me just find one that's like, uh, that's really good right here. So this is, I want to be clear. It's not that I don't believe, I believe all this, but I'm just like, really? That's just insane. That's what we looked like that day. And so you guys maybe really did ruin us. You had two imposters rolling in. (laughs) You could have been terrorists. You could have been anything. And they just let you roll on in because you looked the part. That's the scary part about this whole thing is you're absolutely right. Now, fortunately for everybody, we're not. And we were just having some fun. And what we've learned over the years, I mean, we've got dozens of these types of stories. We basically go to college football games, NFL football games, Major League Baseball games, and we wear tuxedos of the home team colors with the lanyards and the hats and the lapel pins. 
and we stick out like a sore thumb, but because of our attire and our confidence, we've pretty much been everywhere you could possibly think of. Wow. Yeah. So, not, not okay, to divert. So, not, so, guys. So, not to go ahead, Rob. Well, I was going to say not to divert, but I'm diverting. We went to three college football games in one day, massive college football games wearing different tuxedos. Bobby, I don't even know if I told you this, but we went to, we love how this whole thing started is when we were 23, 24, we started doing these epic sports road trips. And luckily we both worked in sales so we can make our own schedule. So we would purposely take off two weeks out of the year in September when college football, NFL, and baseball are all going on at the same time because uh, like a Rubik's Cube getting put together, a Tetris piece, you got to put your schedule together. And you would always have Saturday college football games, Sunday NFL games, maybe a Monday game, maybe a Thursday game. Uh, and then in the week you had uh, you had all baseball games. So it was perfect. For any of your listeners that want to do a sports road trip, September is arguably the best time of the year to do it. And we would go to, we would pick a certain part of the country to go to the Midwest, West Coast, Southeast, uh, Texas, and go to 10 games in 10 days. That was the goal. Uh, And, and this one time we went to 12 games in nine days. We did a trifecta in one Saturday. We went to a 12 o'clock Clemson game, dressed up in orange tuxedos, got onto the field, got pictures with Dabo Sweeney. And then we left there at halftime because they were beaten up on Kent State, drove an hour to Athens, Georgia, UGA, went to UGA versus App State, got on the field just by asking for someone's credential. We, we changed in the car to red tuxedos. And then we got to the stadium and we just got down to the lower bowl section and just just asked somebody, hey, can we borrow your credential to get on the field? And they were like, yeah, sure. Just take a picture. Come on back. So we went onto the field and got a picture on the field and then we left there at halftime because they were destroying app state and we drove to the mercedes stadium in atlanta because alabama number one in the nation was playing number four in the nation fsu it was called the greatest opener of all time and we changed into crimson tuxedos and we ended up getting on the field at the mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta even though we had nosebleed tickets for all these games that is unbelievable and Rob is going to send you the photo. So when you guys go to edit and put this yeah. podcast together, you'll have yeah. the uh, content there. But getting back to Super yeah. Bowl Media Day, because this was quite an epic journey. This is the Rob, ace. In the, this is the ace story. Rob, thank you for adding all that context for these guys and for the listeners. So we've got a lot of cojones here to pull stuff off. And uh, this was our grand, grand, uh, well, I, you could call it. Granddaddy, granddaddy of them all. <laughs> so we get there, we get through security, and now we're presented with a, a situation, gentlemen, of how do we get down onto the floor? You can walk down like they suggested, or you can find the service elevator. And keep in mind, fans have not been let into the arena yet. So we're still basically dealing with an empty arena. We're on the concourse level where they sell concessions, and there's a few reporters hanging out in and around the stadium. Well, we try the first shot of walking down the steps going out onto the floor that seemed like most logical we were actually stopped by another large security officer that asked for credentials we didn't have credentials and we told him we were waiting for our boss to meet up with us to get us the credentials rick rick meanwhile you should have got your credentials like six months ago they're the size of a license plate (laughs) it's got your picture on it it's got a barcode on it it's got all your information on it's got your blood type on it (laughs) they're pretty intense there's holograms in these (laughs) credentials it's absurd and uh so we go down there and the guy says hey listen this sounds likely but i just i can't have you down on the floor without your credential so we're like all right fine we go sit up in the lower bowl, empty stadium. We're talking for a few minutes. and like, how are we going to get down there? We've got to figure out a way. And we look over to our left and about a 10 seats over is Sal Palantonio from ESPN. Sal Pal. We walk yeah. right over to Sal Pal with a lot of confidence. And this guy is not feeling it. He is staring at us. He's up downing us as if like, what the heck are you doing here? Who are you and why are you walking towards me? And we come towards Sal and we say, Sal, what's going on, man? This is Rick. This is Rob. And uh, 
This is our first ever Super Bowl. We're so excited to be covering it with you. And, um, you know, be an honor just, you know, if we could get a picture together and like, we just, can we sit and talk? So this happens, guys. And we're talking with Sal Pal and he goes, hey, uh, who are you here with? Like, who do you work for? And uh, this is really hilarious because Rob and I are from New Jersey and there's a small local paper called the Asbury Park Press. Um, it's locally referred to as the APP. And so uh, when we answered his question, we were just like, yeah, some local paper. You probably never heard of it. It's called the Asbury Park Press. And uh, he goes, oh, the APP. And he was super familiar with it. And we were like, "This, we're done. We're done. We're going to jail. This is he, it. Know, he knows the editor. He knows the marketer. We're done. And uh, he goes, yeah, well, funny story. I applied to uh, them right out of college. He was from the Northeast and uh, he didn't get the job. And uh, what did we say, Rob, after yeah, Rick, that? Rick, 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 you slapped him on the chest. You you patted him on the chest like you were boys from college and say, and say, sounds like our career is getting off to a better start than yours. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we weren't fucking hired. Oh, sorry. We weren't hired by them. <laughs> Kevin's loving it. Bobby's going to cut this. <laughs> And Ed Warner, oh, we gotta have you guys on here more often. Ed, Ed Warner starts dying, and we're just like that broke the awkwardness. So literally, we just go, "Hey, can we get a picture?" So we end up getting a picture with Sal Pal. Awesome. <laughs> and and so, but now it's game time, guys. We got to figure out a way to get down onto the floor. So we walk out into the concourse area. We grab a couple coffees and a donut. I don't even drink coffee, but I wanted to blend in. So I grab a coffee. It looked like the right thing to do. Everybody else had one. And we find this service elevator and we go to walk guys, on the service elevator. Guys, this will never happen again. First of all, media entrance, media days only for media now. So like you can't even buy tickets for it, but we're not making this up. Literally the security guard that was supposed to be checking credentials was on his hand and knees cleaning up a coffee spill that someone must have just spilt 20 seconds earlier. Rick and I just go, just walk right by him, press the down button in the elevator and then go down the service elevator. And then the doors open and Rick and I are like, Oh shit, we're going to, we're making it. We're, we're making it. And then as we, oh, I'm sorry. And, and then as we, as we see, that's what editing's for. That's what editing's for. So as we're walking towards, as we're walking towards, the tunnel with the light, two security guards come out of nowhere. This is they, the tunnel where the players like the Phoenix Suns would be running out from the locker room onto the court. And we're walking through this tunnel. We think we've got it. And then as Rob said, security guards just close up, eh, not getting through. So we're like, this is it. We're done. Canned. The only thing they said to us, fellas, was, Excuse me, gentlemen, um, we can't have uh, food and beverage out on the floor. You're going to have to get rid of the coffees. And I was like, oh, are you sure? Really? All right. So we threw them out and then they just let us on. And then we were and then we were on the court. And but now we have like an hour to kill. We have an hour to kill before like the players come out and it's all media down there. So we're trying to blend in. Right. You know, we're trying to make it like seem like we're supposed to be there. So we just naturally start talking to people. Hey, where are you from? Like, uh, where are you covering from? And we start talking to a bunch of people and the players aren't out yet. And then we talk to this one girl from Europe who was covering the Super Bowl from Europe and she didn't know anyone there either. So me, Rick and her just hit it off. And she said to us, Kevin, she goes, she goes, hey, are you guys going to the Super Bowl media day party tonight? And we, we just- are now. <laughs> yeah yeah bobby without hesitation we just go yeah of course absolutely wouldn't miss it for the world meanwhile we have no idea what she's talking about and we're like but we should we should grab your number we should meet up before for a drink and like you know go with you to the party and she's like yeah absolutely 100 let's do that so we exchange numbers and then and then the players start to come out and and uh i forget who came out first uh but you know we we let's say the seahawks came out first you know rick was interviewing russell wilson uh, he was asking Russell Wilson some questions because the way that it's set up is you have the players and then you have a little barricade and then all the reporters kind of wait their turn to ask questions. So Rick would just hop in there 
And I don't know. He asked like, would you ask like Russell Wilson, like what's he doing this week for charity or something? Yeah, exactly. And uh, he put that money in his pocket. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, So, but yeah, like the hilarious part about it all was I was taking this microphone and like talking into it and then presenting it to them to talk into. Meanwhile, this cord was just going into my pocket and I kid you not reporters would come up to us like in between and they'd say, Hey, how, what do you kind of story are you going to do with those questions? I love the questions, but like, I'm just curious. And <laughs> like, we were asking the most crazy questions that were just in our head, like no reporting, no stories, just anything we ever wanted to ask Tom Brady, Rick, Bill Belichick. Rick asked Tom Brady, like, who's your favorite wide receiver to throw to? And he just gave like a very politically correct answer. It was like, Oh, they're all my favorite. And then asked him like, who hit him the hardest this year? And he's like, oh, that safety from like Indianapolis really got me good. Uh, and, you know, I was talking to um, like Devin McCourty uh, and uh, Bill Belichick and uh, Pete Carroll. We got a picture with Pete. But then we also started to meet all these. You know, you got to think about it. Most reporters are hyper focused on the players because they're trying to come up with a story. We're just having a free for all. We're just trying to take as many pictures with as many people as possible. So we end up meeting Chris Berman and getting a picture with Chris Berman. And I want to highlight something here. Look at Chris's lanyard and then look at our lanyards that are tucked (laughs) inside our coat pocket. It's literally a plastic sheath that has our $25 ticket in it tucked inside our coat pocket. (laughs) Here you guys nervous. You guys like. Here's Rick with Tom Brady. Everybody else pretty much there have these giant lanyards on, or are there other people floating about that don't? No, everyone's got the lanyard, but the key move that a lot of them do is they have it inside their suit jacket. So in that regard, we blend it in where the credential license plate was not visible, but the lanyard going around the neck was, and that kept people at bay. So quick question. At Obviously, you were nervous getting onto the court, but once you were down there, did the nerves dissipate or did it get worse? It was still nerve wracking. Yeah. Until the players came and then the stadium filled up with the fans. And at that point, the security that was on the floor began 100 percent focused on the fans and the players and not the. Yeah, you were golden. Then once fans came in, it was just walking the park from there. There were times when we were there from that, like the moment we got on to the 45 minutes or hour that we had to just kind of talk to people where there were guys walking around with headsets, you know, with looked like, you know, secret service. And Rick and I were just heads on a swivel. We were like, hey, let's start talking to this person. Let's start talking to this person. Hey, let's walk this way. Let's walk this way. We were like watching them. (laughs) But I mean, you look like you belong there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you kept doing your thing, asking questions, doing this and that, there was no reason for them to doubt that you were supposed to be there. Yeah. Kevin, if you have a dream, go for it. That's the lesson learned here. I like this. So, oh, go on, Kevin. Let, let's go from there. We're we're at this. Uh, how did so, you eventually get out of the building? Yeah. So you know, and three hours goes by because the Patriots are on for like an hour and a half. Um, by the way, we and then the Seahawks come on for an hour and a half, and then it's, so it's a whole thing. So you know, we probably left around four o'clock, and it was just easy to walk out. Everybody was walking out. Nobody was asking for credentials. So we just walked out with like a group of people. And I remember telling Rick, like, you know, we got, we got this girl's number, you know, we're texting her, you know, Hey, like, where should we meet up with you at, at six o'clock? Like, I think we were meeting up at six. I think we got out at like three thirty, four o'clock if I remember. And we just went to a Chipotle nearby and I'm, and we're like, we're like debriefing. We're just like, what just happened? Like, are you serious? Like, and I go, I go Rick and we had tickets to the Super Bowl, And I was like, Rick, I could fly home today and be okay with that. Like, and obviously we weren't, we were going, we had a, we went to the waste management two days. We went to a, a Victoria's secret fashion show party. Uh, we went to uh, this party that night, but uh, so we had a couple hours at Chipotle debrief, you know, I got a burrito. <laughs> Shut down the engines, put it in neutral, recharge the batteries. You know, we felt like wedding crashers, like Vince Vaughn and yes. Owen Wilson. And- Super Bowl crashers. It's the biggest party in on the planet. Yeah, this is it- a hardcore wedding crash. You go crash a wedding, they just ask you to leave. This one, you get taken <laughs> out in cuffs. <laughs> um, so we um 
yeah, so we had that time to to kind of relax. And then we met up with this girl at uh, the hotel where like everybody was staying at, all the media people were staying at. And then there was like five blacked out buses, like charter buses outside the hotel to take them to the media day party. So we just walked on with this girl and this girl's like, hey, where are your credentials? And we're like, oh, we left them in our car. And she's like, oh, you might need them. And I'm like, oh, don't worry. And then I think there was a guy on the bus, like, you know, as soon as you come on the bus, like back in grade school, right? You know, somebody's sitting there and it's like, it's like name. And I think we just gave them our names. <laughs> we're like, yeah, Rick and Rob, two, party of two. And they're like, all right, cool. <laughs> Bobby's been that guy in school checking off to make sure the kids get onto the bus. Exactly. So then we get on the bus and uh, I'm like, you got to think about this. You know, we're young twenties at this time. We're on this bus. We're talking to these girls and like the, Rick's as cool as the other side of the pillow. Right. He, he's, he's super cool. Super chill during his whole thing. In my head, I'm like, this is going to be like a $200 Uber because they're driving us out of Phoenix and now like Phoenix is fading in the background. I'm just like, I'm just like, what is going on? Like, where are we going? And then a woman gets on the PA system on the bus and goes, Hey guys, you guys are going to be working so hard this week during the Super Bowl." And Rick and I are like, yeah, absolutely. We are. And, <laughs> and she goes, she goes, yeah. Um, so we want to treat you guys to a, a concert. It's by the Congos who at the time were like a hit band at that time they had a couple of really big hit songs on the radio and they were putting on a live concert at the crow's nest which is like the music venue in scottsdale where like everybody performs like darius rucker performed there another night that we went to um and then they were like, temple yeah. pilots yeah, Stone temple pilot played and so we we went to the congo's concert and it was a congo's concert with an all you can eat all you can drink mix and mingle with Former NFL players, Hall of Famers were there. We ended up hanging out with Jason Taylor, who Rick is at the time was a big Jets fan. And our mom is a Dolphins fan. So that was huge. That was awesome to hang out with Jason Taylor. And, and then we hung out with Miss Arizona. She was there and we just started like clicking with her, her group. And we just hung out with them for like literally like an hour, maybe two hours in the night. Rob, tell us <laughs> about the fact that you got, got on the bus was enough to get you into the party. That's all. Just get on, get it. Just be on the bus. Okay. Nobody asked for credential. It's not my fault. No, no, it's great. This is awesome. I haven't, I haven't decided if we should have you on again or if I never want to speak to either one of you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one question. So, was the Super Bowl the first time you pulled this whole charade or you already had a little practice going into it? So, the year prior, uh, so, good question. so my brother. And by the way, we could be on here for. 10 hours talking our stories. We probably have about like 10, 10 to 12 that are just absolutely ridiculous stories that are absurd. And they're all on our podcast. And yeah, but Rick, you want to go on with this? Be more than happy to. I know we want to be conscious of time here. These guys got a bell to ring. So um, <laughs> we came up with this idea the year prior. It was 2014. I really wanted to go down to Alabama and I wanted to see a college football game in Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban, the whole thing. So, but it's the South, it's the SEC. And I really, I mean, been, I've been to a couple SEC games, but I wanted to go all out here. And down there in the South, you dress up and the ladies are in dresses basically on game day. And the uh, guys, they can go a little, uh, a little down laser. Yeah. Well, I took it a little step further. I went online, $99 crimson tuxedo, um, bow tie, um, got the, got the gaiters on and everything. I mean, I look pretty official. I'm going to, you know, vest, you know, three piece suit. And, um, so I go down there and I'm with a bunch of our friends. We're having a great time. And it's a couple, like, I mean, it's like maybe eight, nine o'clock in the morning for an afternoon game. And I said, all right, I'm heading over to the stadium. So I walk over to the stadium and much like all teams do in college football, they'll have some sort of walk. They call it the Crimson Walk down in Alabama, where these big coach buses will stop maybe like 500 feet from the stadium. And then the players walk in their suits with their bag or briefcase. Rob, Rob's got it right there. That's a picture I took. So I'm walking through 10, like no joke. There's like 10 plus thousand, maybe 20,000 Alabama fans. This is all they live for in Tuscaloosa game days in the fall and I'm walking through and well first I'm kind of like watching the players and I'm like hey I look I look pretty official 
Like the, Nick Saban walks oh, right man. by. Yeah. And I just say to myself, let's hop in line. What's the worst that's going to happen here? So I take a few steps up. And next thing I know, I'm walking next to Lane Kiffin, who at the time was the offensive coordinator for Alabama. This is him in line. Like now you can see that he's in line. (laughs) And we're on a podcast here. Rick also played football in college. So like he played wide receiver. He's pretty big. He's 6'2". So he kind of looks like a football player. I blended in, needless to say. Now the state troopers were protecting me for some reason. (laughs) And – we're walking in and we we go off to the side a little bit and we're waving and smiling and to the fans. And no joke, we walk in. I've got a $20 nosebleed ticket and it's in my lip, lanyard that's tucked into my suit. And I walk with Lane and the rest of the team underneath the concourse to like the underground area that will get you to the locker room. And I know where I'm going because the day before I took a guided tour with the athletic department on the stadium. They actually just gave me a private tour uh, because I reached out to their athletic department. And that's a tip for all you listeners out there. Just go the extra step, go on Google, search the staff. Don't reach out to the AD. He's too important. Don't reach out to an intern. They can't get you anywhere, but find a middle tier person and uh, see if they can help you out. And more times than not, they will. They want you to have a great experience. So I knew where I was walking. I knew the locker rooms were coming up. And then I said to myself, there's no locker in there with my name on it. And I have no equipment ready to put on. Something's going to go wrong if I go any further. So as the team went into the locker room, I actually went down the tunnel for which the Alabama players run through and the lights and they slap the everything and they run through the smoke. But It's literally three or four hours before kickoff and the stadium is empty. The only hold on, hold on, hold on. So Rick, Rick decided, ah, might as well go out and just walk directly out onto the A of the (laughs) Alabama and take and ask somebody to take my photo. Wow. Unbelievable. So you'll notice that the stands are are empty as hell. (laughs) Like it's completely. Yeah. So the only people on the field were like four or five people working on the sky cam. And uh, I just start having a ball. I start drinking Gatorade on the sideline. And um, (laughs) next thing you know, like a few people start coming out. That's Kevin Sumlin, who at the time was the head coach for Texas A&M. And that's who they were playing that day. Look at that lapel pin. Look at that lapel pin bow tie lanyard combo. This is on our our nosebleed. This is on our it's, TikTok and it got 2.1 million views. And it's, and, it's so and it, worth the $100 tuxedo. You it's know, so worth it. we joke around and say buy suits, not tickets. Because if you yes. buy suits, if you buy these cheap suits and you put them on at sporting events, and that's, you know, Kevin and Bobby, that's how it all started. Like, so, so, you know, my brother and I just like, you know, we're brothers, right? Like, you know, you have siblings, right? You want to do some fun stuff with your siblings. And that's how it all started. And we started doing these 10 games in 10 days. Um, we wanted to go to the Dyersville, Iowa to see the Field of Dreams out in Iowa. And we live in New Jersey, but we weren't going to drive there and then just come back. That'd be so weird. So we were like looking at a schedule and it was like five games in five days. And they were like, wait a minute, we could do 10 and 10. And then we got this idea. We were like, you know what? We're from Jersey. Like, why don't we just go on eBay and buy hats and t-shirts of all the teams. So we look like home team fans. And then we did that. And then when we got to the stadiums, we just started to realize that, Oh, if you wear a lanyard, it looks official. So we were like, yeah, why don't we just buy like $5 lanyards of all the teams? And then that's when, so that was like 2013 and then 2014 is when Rick went to Alabama. And then we were like, and then that's when he experimented with the tuxedo and the suits, because we're also from New York, New Jersey area. So we would go to a Yankees game and or a Madison Square Garden. And it's not uncommon to see guys getting off of work and just going to a Yankees game in a tu- in not a tuxedo, but like a suit, like a really nice suit. And they just looked official. Like they just looked so official. And then we started to realize, like, well, what if you put like a lapel pin on it, like a, a Yankees lapel pin and an American flag? So that was like our go to thing. It was like an Alabama and like an American flag. Right. So. We're just classic. Are you guys Yankee fans? 
we're baseball guys. We've actually been to every major league baseball stadium. We grew up in the Northeast. So we went to a lot of Yankees and Mets. Rob still pledges his allegiance to the Mets, but that's a mistake. I'm a Yankees fan. My family, uh, even though we're Mariners, my dad is diehard. My middle name's actually Mickey. That's the Yankees is like, if you're not a Yankees fan in my family, you're disowned. I love that. That's the way I operate in my family too. Very good. (laughs) Fellas, can't thank y'all enough. No, I got for... I do we gotta oh, yeah. finish this. We got more. Sorry. Sorry, Chad. Have you ever been get caught? Two, busted. How many times have you been busted? Three, what were the worst consequences you ever faced if you were busted? I can answer all of those in one sentence. None? We have not been kicked off or kicked out of a stadium one time. Parentheses. If we've ever been in any situation, they've just asked us to go back to our seats. But That's maybe it happened like, once. And, and like, just get out of here. Yeah, and here's here's the here's the thing. Here's the here's the Rick and I have like eight life lessons that we're gonna start talking about. I'm actually gonna start talking with businesses about it, like business life lessons, fortunes in the follow-up is one of them, and like a bunch of other stuff. But one of the things that we subscribe to early with exception of saying we're from the APP, <laughs> you know, we just told ourselves like, Hey, let's not lie. Like if somebody asks us if how we got onto the field, let's just make it fun and tell them the funny story of how we got onto the field and just be honest with them and tell them we have a nosebleed. And Kevin, people love that stuff. They love it. They yeah, love it. Pretty cool. And Like for instance, our second game ever doing it, uh, we went to the University of Michigan, the big house, and we got there early. That's rule number one. That's like life lesson number one. Show up to places early. Get there early. So we got there early. We dressed in Mesh- Michigan attire, T-shirts and hats. And then, uh, you know, we walked down to the lower bowl, even though our ticket was for the for the top section. And then there was a gate wide open. So we just walked out onto the M at the University of Michigan. Nobody said anything. And we just started taking pictures there. The whole, then, warm up, the whole warm the up, the whole warm up, players we are, there. <laughs> they're doing all their warm ups, and Rob and I are standing on the end the whole time. And here's what was hilarious, Rob. Yeah, let yeah, me tell yeah. this. Yeah, let me tell. They're playing Akron, and Akron State Troopers start walking towards us out on the end, and we're thinking we're done, we're screwed. And they come up to us, and they say, "Hey, fellas." Could you take a picture? We've never been here before. And Rob and I put our arms around him and said, guys, we've never been here before either. You got to take our picture and we'll take yours. <laughs> so oh, then we, so, so then, great. and then we're just, you know, having a great time with them. And uh, we end up talking to them for like 30, 40 minutes. And you gotta, you gotta think about it. If you're a fan and you see two Michigan fans talking to two state troopers on the M, you just assume they're supposed to be there. Right. Right. So nobody asked us any questions. The long snapper for Akron was like, hey, guys, can you guys like move over just a little bit? We're trying to get some punts in. <laughs> right? We're like, fine. <laughs> and then fine. we had to like walk through the band. And uh, and then we end up hanging out on the field for the first quarter of the game. And then a security guard does find us. And we tell him the story. And he thought it was funny. He like chuckled. He goes, that's what. He goes, that's absurd. I can't believe you guys did that. And he goes, but you guys got to go to your seats. And we're like, okay, okay. So we'll go to our seats. And so we went to our, we didn't go to our seats, actually. Our seats were like, you know, 50 rows up, 60 rows up, whatever it is. And the whole time we're on the field, I'm looking over my shoulder. I go, I know it's a matter of time before somebody tells us to leave the field. um, Because they were walking around looking for uh, lanyards and credentials and stuff. And that's where we found the lanyard ideas because we were like, oh, maybe we should get lanyards. Like everyone's wearing lanyards on University of Michigan and we're the only ones not wearing it. So that's where the lanyard idea was born. And then I look back and two rows, like second row in, two seats wide open the whole first quarter. So I'm like, Rick, if we get booted, let's just go right there. So we went there and then the guy, like everybody knows one one another. If you're at like a big 10 game, everybody's had these tickets for in their family for years. So it's like a family thing. So we sit next to this guy and this guy just goes, Hey, how'd you get these tickets? And he was kind of like, 
hoping that I would like lie to him or like, you know, he like knew, like I didn't buy him because it's his buddy's tickets. And I was like, do you want me, I was, I joked with him. I was like, do you want me to lie to you or tell you the truth? And he goes, truth would be good. And I go, all right, cool. So here's what happened. We walked onto the field and I'm telling him we're on this road trip of 10 games, 10 days. We're from Jersey. You know, our seats are up there and I tell him the whole story and he just starts dying laughing and he just goes, oh my God, that's hilarious. These are John's seats. John couldn't sell this because it's University of Akron. So you guys are more than welcome to sit here for the whole game. So we sat there for the whole game, ended up being a thriller. Akron lost like in the last couple seconds. It was almost like a repeat of App State, Michigan. Yeah. Upset. And then at the end, the the husband and wife who are in their 60s were just like, hey, you guys have been a blast to hang out with. I know you're going to Green Bay for the Packers game tomorrow, but come to our tailgate and let the traffic get out of here. And like, we'll load you up on some food. And that's what we did. We went to their tailgate and hung out with them for another two hours while the traffic died down. And, you know, we're 23, 24 at the time, you know, and they literally gave us all their like beer and food that was left over. And they were like, yeah, just take it to take it to Lambo, take it to wherever you're going. <laughs> to this day, they still get a Christmas card from the brother's brand. <laughs> they should. As they should. Yeah. So I just have one last question for you. So now that you're become semi uh, notable, if not famous for this, have you been recognized anywhere? We have been on a couple uh, TV shows. We've had uh, several guests on our own podcast. We've been featured on many. I don't think any of them really reached the level of get your bell rung, but um, it's been quite a journey. It's been a lot of fun. We continue to go to sporting events, make memories, and uh, that's the whole premise behind this, guys, is get out. It's so easy to watch games on TV nowadays, but go to the live events. You can't replace that electricity in an arena. And um, we just love sharing our stories. So thanks for having us on today, guys. That's yeah, thanks awesome. so much, guys. Dude, Bobby, Bobby wouldn't tell me what you guys were going to tell me, but he said I was going to be pumped. This is freaking awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll get know, you all the photos awesome. and videos. You guys can add that and edit it in. And again, Bobby, we do sincerely apologize for the slip ups throughout the show. Kevin, if you want to do another episode at some point, we can look into that. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just we'll just throw it out f bombs left and right. Then that'd be great. <laughs> all right, <laughs> fellas, thank you so much. Uh, I mean, that was incredible, awesome story. Uh, and uh, the next time you guys head anywhere to see a live event, I have a hundred dollars for a tuxedo. So make sure you give me a call. <laughs> Got it. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Right, see you guys. Thank have you. you wow. What I would I can't even say what a story. What incredible stories they have. That's and insane. still more to come, most likely. I know. I know. Now I do know. Uh, that Rob has a child. So I don't know if that's going to affect the amount of traveling and things that he can do, but good grief. Even one of those stories is great, but to have so many, I mean, good for them. Yeah. I mean, they've got to do experiences that very few people ever get, ever get to, unless you're on the team or on the staff. Yeah. Uh, and, and not all of those teams. I'll you know tell you what, I mean, all the different stadiums. Yeah, the most impressive of all is the balls. I mean, those dudes, it must be like that one freaking South Park episode with Randy Marsh walking around town and them in a freaking wheelbarrow because you got to have some real cojones, I think, sort of they used uh, to, to pull that stuff off. It's impressive. All right. You ready to get to some nuts and bolts on some football stuff sure. here? Sure. So today, I know that you have not seen all this, but just today, the Titans have released. Robert Woods, Taylor Luan, Zach Cunningham, and just for the heck of it, their kicker, Randy Bullock. Now, they needed to clear some cap space. Big time. Right. Um, but, I mean, even still, they're, I don't know, maybe $10 million in the in the plus, which is good. But my question to you is, with free agency almost a month away, a little less than a month, why do it now? Why are we releasing? They're the only team that's really released a bunch of guys, right? So why do it all today? I think the bigger question is why not? If you know you're going to do it, just get it done. Get it out there. Start getting your ducks in a row. You know where you stand. Other players around the league know where you stand. And there's really no reason not to because unless they're vested veterans, they can't be – they have to go through waivers and everything anyway. So – I don't know. I, I I guess that's the way I look at it is and they're they're pretty they're not players. They're players that at one point 
that would have really meant something, but they're all past their prime. None of them are, are, are movers and shakers. So that's really the only thing I, that's my really only comeback from why is really, why not? I agree with you a hundred percent. Why not? However, the reason I gave the question is because that's not what happens. That's not how no, it's, teams not. Do it. it's, it's sure. Are they, are they just being like, look, we're not gonna keep these guys. Any, we're just going to do it now and get it over with. Or, or are they trying to make a push for someone there? I mean, I don't know that everyone's sold on Ryan Tannehill. Are we looking to add a Derek Carr? Are we trying to make money so we can pay Aaron Rodgers in a trade? Just something to think about. They could be. Titans have been that last team, that last team that people are like, yeah, you know, watch out for them in the Derek Carr race. Watch out for them for Rodgers. Watch out for them for this quarterback. That would just be a waste. I don't know. It's definitely an anomaly. It's not the way business is usually done. The problem, again, is that the salary cap unit teams are in sort of salary cap purgatory. That's only means so much because they can just restructure, pay people down. The cap's going up 20-some million dollars. So I don't know. But, man, Bobby Woods, boy, is he, his star has fallen since he tore his knee apart. I really liked him, too. He was really, really, yeah, he was really starting to make a name for himself. And then it's my fault. It's my fault. Uh, two years ago, I think it was, maybe three years ago, he was my wide receiver 13. I was way higher on him than anybody else. Um, and that was a year that he got hurt and was out for a while. Well, that was and just two since, years ago, yeah, because he, he, so, he was great. And ever since then, he never he came like, back. He's like a top 25 guy until his knee blew apart, and then that was the end of that. Then they brought in OBJ, and then he blew his knee apart. Sorry, Robert. Uh, same can be said for Cortland Sutton. I also was real high on him. Yeah, I would hate towards ACL drafted by you. It's like being a receiver drafted by you is like being a receiver drafted by the Ravens. Like, call it a career. Call it a career now. At least save yourself the pain of the rehab. Only if I draft you in the first four rounds. Because I'm great at late round wide receivers. Mid late round, great. Early round receivers, watch out. I should just, I should let them know. Go out there and bubble wrap. Quilted yeah. Northern. <laughs> All right. So we have the the um, franchise tag that that window has opened where teams can put a franchise tag on. And just so everyone out there understands, because it's a little confusing, I'm going to make it as simple as possible. There are three options. There's the non-exclusive franchise tag, the exclusive franchise tag, and the transition tag. The differences are non-exclusive tag means that a player can negotiate with other teams. The team that the player is on always has a chance to match that offer. If they do match it, that player stays on the team. If they don't match it, then the original team gets two first-round picks as compensation. Correct. And with the non-exclusive franchise tag, the salary is the average of the five highest salaries at the player's position over the last five years or 120% of the player's cap number from the previous season, whatever number is greater. Got it? That's the non-exclusive franchise tag. The exclusive franchise tag, that means the player cannot negotiate with other teams. So if you get the exclusive franchise tag, that's it for you, and your salary is the average of the top five salaries at the position for the current year. Okay? So the non-exclusive were over the last five years – exclusive is the current year and with the salary cap going up and up and up you got to think that's you know maybe the the most money that they're going to get now the last one is a transition tag the player can negotiate with other teams with a transition tag but if the original team refuses to match the offer the original team gets nothing they get nothing in return uh and this is they get the their the price for the Transition tag is the average of the 10 highest paid players at the position. So probably the lowest paying of the tax. Correct. Makes sense. Hopefully that made sense to anyone listening. Right. And another important thing to add, and there's one team that this really matters, is you can only franchise one player per season. And I'm glad you brought that up because that goes right into the first two guys I was going to bring up is Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, which is exactly who you were talking about. Well done, sir. And I don't know which one they're going to franchise tag. (laughs) It seemed all along it was Saquon, but not no mo. Now that Danny Dimes wants 
wants 45 mil a year. Sweet Lord. If he makes 45, then mm. Joe Burrow is going to make 60. Um, Hertz is going to make 65. And all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes is like the fifth highest paid quarterback in the league. <laughs> the half billion dollar man doesn't mean anything. Half billion dollar man. Yeah, that's what I said. You yeah. said half million, but it's half billion. Uh, I, I meant a B. <laughs> Maybe it was a B I and tried, I misheard. But regardless, you're right. Be. All of a sudden, arguably the best quarterback at the game is the fifth or sixth highest paid. I, right. How about I, Danny you? Dimes had a great last like 10 games, but really 45 mil. And, and these tags really benefit the teams because if they put the franchise tag, the player has to play, or they say, I'm not going to sign it, and then they don't get to play. So it really gives the team um, the power, but it they can get screwed as well. So like Duran Payne, defensive tackle from the Redskins, or commanders, whoever they are, he they drafted him first round, so he gets a fifth-year option, and he's been a pretty solid player. They did not extend him. They're like, you know what, we'll let you play out your fifth year. We'll see how you do. Career year, he had double digit, I think, eleven and a half sacks from the defensive he tackle position. Right now, guess what? Pressures, twenty quarterback hits. So what do they do now? They they're going to have to maybe use a franchise tag. The problem is the franchise tag. I'll give you the prices for all the positions. His the franchise 18, tag, eighteen point defensive tackle, yeah, nineteen million. If they want to franchise tag him, quarterbacks are thirty two and a half. Running backs are ten. Wide receivers are nine, almost 20. Tight ends are 11. Offensive line, 18. We said 19, um, almost 20 for defensive ends, 19-7. 19 for defensive tackles, 21 for linebackers, 18 for corners, and 14 and a half for safeties. It's not cheap, and you don't want to have play have your players go year to year, but the players don't want that either. They want that yeah, security they, they want, of a long-term deal. Especially in the world of these huge guaranteed numbers. That said, it's hard for any of us normal folk to even comprehend somebody turning down $19 million. You could make the argument for Washington, though, that this is a value because he'll most likely make more than that per year when you throw in bonuses and such if he hits the open market because there's – there's nothing a team wants more in the NFL other than a quarterback or pressure, especially from a defensive tackle. From up the middle, you got that right. Yeah, so yeah. he's going to probably make more than that his average annual salary if they let him go. Um, and then, of course, next year, if they want to do it again, it'd be even bigger. Another part, right. you may have mentioned this when I was looking at something here online reading. Just because they do a franchise now, that doesn't mean the player has to do that. What it does is it buys the team and the player and the agent time to come up with a contract while Still nobody July, else. Believe, right? What's that? Till July, right? July fifteenth, the... I believe. Yep. Um, so they have that time so that nobody, so it's exclusive that nobody else can even mess with it. Basically, it's it's just literally buying time. That's what you're doing. The player is sort of. They don't have a lot to do with this. They don't have a lot of decisions. You either, because if you don't sign it, you don't play, and you're right back to the same thing next year. No season accrues, so they can just do it again. Um, that said, players that bitch about it, I don't want to hear it. Your union put this in the CBA. It's there. You vote for it every time you do a new CBA. So you can't then you know, get all upset about it when the team chooses to use it. Um. Now, it was a couple big names have been thrown out there to possibly get uh, uh, tagged. Josh yeah. Jacobs. I, I don't see that happening simply because Josh McDaniels, coming from that Belichick tree, they're not going to pay a running back. They're going to go I draft one in, in the third or fourth round and roll with it. I didn't. No matter how Jacobs either, did. But I'm starting to I'm starting to wonder if they might. I'm not saying they will, but the I mean, number's Joseph. not that high. He's going to make way more than that in the open market. And with already a change at quarterback, do you also want to change your running back on top of it? I don't know. I mean, he only had one season this past season of really stellar play. Yeah, but he also had a him. carousel of crappy coaches in the past. True. That's I'm, true. I'm not saying – all I'm simply saying is where I thought maybe there's a 20% chance they do it, now I think there's 50. So, I okay, now I have a two-part question for you especially – 
first part, do you think the Ravens would be brave enough to franchise tag Lamar Jackson? And if they do, is there any chance he signs that thing? They're almost definitely going to do it. They don't really have a whole lot of other options. You don't you don't think that they're either A, going to pay him or B, say, look, well, the reason well, I ask is I don't you're think asking he's a different question it. then because they're going to franchise him because they have to. Otherwise, he the first day of franchise, he can just sign with somebody else and they get nothing. Well, actually, okay. that's wrong. They'll get a compensatory third round pick next year. They're going to franchise him whether he stays on the team, whether he's traded then, whether he signs it, all that. Now, that's different, but they're going to franchise him. Letting him walk would just be stupid. It doesn't even so, make any kind of sense. Likeliest scenario for you. They get Lamar a long-term deal. They franchise tag him and just keep the franchise tag, or they tag and trade him. None of the above. Okay, franchise him, and then they're going to come up with a something, a solution that they both like and turn it okay. into a five-year contract Okay, with a lot of guaranteed money. That's cool. One thing I don't like about – all this is that Lamar is his being his own agent. I don't think that's in his best interest. Um, I tell him that he's just too much. There's there, when you have hundreds of millions of dollars on the line to pretend that you're an agent and an accountant and a this and a that and a lawyer, it's just stupid. You're a football player. Pay yeah, the 3% for me. and get, get what you deserve. Do your thing. I'm excited to have, I would love to have him back, but I don't want them to, to basically mortgage the future. That said, if it turns out to a Mahomes thing where eventually this contract in five years is he's the 10th highest player with in five years, the cap estimated to be about 80 million more than it is now, it could end up being a, a steal. So that's where I think they're going to franchise and they have to, they can't just let him walk for a third round compensatory pick. That's just, that's just football suicide. That's stupid. Um, but I really think they're all going to come. I think the OC hire is going to be huge to to try to mend fences here. And I think also to work out the big thing with them now is, okay, you're bringing an OC now that you want. It's going to open things up more, still let you run, do your thing. Well, now you got to prove it on the field next year because can't blame it on Greg Roman anymore. All right. Any other guys you want to throw out there before we, uh, before we stop this thing, no, I have my list, but there's nobody that uh, the, I mean, uh, the, I the biggest one a lot of people think would be Orlando Brown, left tackle for yeah. Kansas City. Yeah, and he they'd have to do him again so he gets even higher 20% more. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not, he's been very clear he does not want to be franchised, but again, these guys they're sort of up against it. If you get franchised, you can pretend you're going to hold out, you can pretend you're not going to play. But you don't really have a choice. If you don't sign that thing by July 15th, you can't play. You're yeah, just out there's... for the season and back started the next thing. So you don't really have a choice unless you're literally willing to sit out, play for nothing, and then start the whole process over again next February. And if you want to know how sitting out goes for you, ask Le'Veon Bell. Yep, that panned out real well, didn't it? Literally so he, ended he's, his he's career. He's actually probably the biggest name of all of these guys as far as I mean, left tackles, they're, they're about as valuable as anything, especially when you're protecting Pat. I'd say he's second. Lamar Jackson would be one. Yeah, and, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And, I, yeah. and Orlando Brown will be two, which is funny because they were both teammates two years ago. They certainly right? were, weren't they? Brown was yeah. mad at them because – and ultimately the Ravens screwed up. They got rid of him thinking Stanley would come back and be effective. He's trash. So the Ravens ended up getting next to nothing out of it. Yep. Uh, now, I will say, if Kansas City doesn't want to do it, I got a feeling there's going to be a tackle or two that they could take at 31 where oh, they're yeah. sitting right yeah. now in the draft, oh, where they don't think yeah. they'd have to trade up too many spots to get one if they wanted right. to. I think another important thing we didn't mention is teams can throw this franchise out there now. They have, what, about three three-week window to franchise a player. They mm-hmm. can rescind it at any time. Right. If the player, it's very clear that nothing's going to happen and this is just a marriage made in hell. The teams can rescind it, and then the team, the player becomes an immediate free agent. So I, I don't want people to think that just because you franchise somebody, you're stuck because you're not. The team has the power to just say, you know what? You're a fool. I'm, we're done with this. We're moving on. Just go. We'll take our compensatory pick. Bye-bye. You're not worth it.
All right, sir. Anything else for you? Uh, I'm good, brother. It's that time of year, man. Starting to check out some players now, and oh, I'm still trying. To, I'm still gonna try and convince you to go to KC for a few days. I know you're afraid to go there because you might get in a fight. But no, um, I'm not gonna get in a fight. I just after listening to these guys' story tonight, I know. how could you not want to go to KC and see how many I things sh- we could sneak into? No, I feel like I could. After talking to them, I feel like I could announce one of the picks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just have your your lanyard sort of tucked inside yeah. your Eagles jersey. <laughs> my my Eagles pin, my my uh, American flag pin, let, Philadelphia bow tie. Let's go. Oh man, I I'd love to go, but that's up to you, buddy. Walk by. Hey Raj, what's up, buddy? Yeah, and we might even see those guys down there. We'll see them in their suits. We'll run into them. We'll all go do oh, something. That'd be great. Oh man, but uh, uh, what a story! What a story! Yeah, that's pretty. All awesome. right, friends. Thank you. I'll talk uh, thanks, man. Good time. Yep. Thanks y'all for listening. Make sure you check us out. Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. Get your bell rung football podcast. See you folks. See ya.